Welcome back to In the Sticks, a podcast about something, nothing, and everything all at once. This is our first full-length episode, episode 001. Welcome. Hope everyone is having a fantastic day. So in the pilot episode, I told you all that I kind of wanted to explain how we got where we are now and, and hopefully where we're going from here. We'll also talk about what's going on around the country right now. Obviously, some big news breaking over the weekend. And we'll cap it off with a little bit of humor. But before we get started, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to the Crime Time podcast. They recently gave me a follow on Instagram. I hadn't heard of them, so I decided to check them out. And they're awesome. <laughs> they if you If you like the Crime Junkie podcast, they are kind of the equivalent to that from our friends across the pond. They cover some pretty interesting stories over there, and they they only have a few episodes out, but I highly encourage you to go check them out, subscribe, give them a listen. They're great. Um, I just listened to the In Plain Sight episode, and they tell a couple different stories on that one. One of them involves a story where the the last known witness to see the victim alive was a man who dated previously dated the mother of the victim and at the time of the incident was dating the grandmother of the victim. So he dated a woman and later was dating that woman's mother. That sounds like some hillbilly right there. That sounds something like something I would see in southeastern Oklahoma. But anyways, it's it's good stuff. Please go check them out. Um, they're highly entertaining and they're worth, they're worth the listen. Also, very qu- quickly, I want to give my little sister a shout out if you if you have time and you're so inclined and you find it within you to to do this please go check out her instagram at kmtrip k-a-y-m-t-r-i-p she has a link for a gofundme account she's trying to raise a little bit of cheese to help her and her family out with a medical procedure that they need for their little boy he's got to have a surgery done to correct a malformity in his um, spine, lower skull area. Uh, Basically, he's too smart, his brain's too big, and they have to go in there and make a little adjustment to ease the pressure and um, relieve some of the pain that he is currently experiencing, and they would like some help with um, the part of the cost that insurance does not cover. So like I said, if you have the means and you find it with inside you, go check out her Instagram and donate if you can. Also, very quickly, I have an older sister, and she runs a art academy here in central Oklahoma called Artsy Rose. You can look her up online. Uh, she does all kinds of stuff. She has a day a daycare art enrichment classes. She does art camps, especially during times when school is out, like fall break, winter break, summer break. She does online art classes. She has a YouTube channel you can check out. She does a class called Sips and Swirls where you ladies can go out for a ladies' night and drink some wine and paint some stuff. She does a lot of cool things, so please go check her out, uh, artsyrose.com. Okay, so diving into this episode, uh, we'll go ahead and get started. So my wife and I, we've been married for almost 12 years now. When we got married... We decided to move to the city where I work because there were some perks for me living close to to my job. So we decided to move about 25 miles south from where we were at to the city where, where we currently live and I currently work. When we moved down here, we moved into a, a neighborhood, 
and it, it was a really nice neighborhood. We liked it a lot. In fact, we lived there for about four years or so, and we went for a walk one night, and we found that they were about to open a new phase of construction for the neighborhood. And we were walking through that phase, and we, we found a lot. It was a cornered cul-de-sac lot, so it was oversized. It was actually huge um, in the backyard. And it backed up to a green belt, and it was a super nice lot, and we decided to go for it, and we ended up getting a lot. And so we built a house back in 2015, 2016. So we, we have built a house together already. That process, I have a feeling, is going to be a whole lot smoother than the one we're about to endure. Uh, however, it was a pretty easy process. We thought uh, we thought we were going to be there until we retired, at least. And you know, there towards the end, they started to develop the neighborhood behind us. Like I said, we backed up to a green belt, and so the neighborhood that they were developing was maybe a hundred yards away. However, it was elevated up on a hill, and from from the backyard of the house that was being built, they could see down into our backyard, and we weren't too crazy about that. And we happen to go to dinner with some of our friends. Uh, we go to dinner with them every January, and we went this January uh, to dinner. And one of one of the families was talking about how they were going to sell their property um, and move into town. They owned five acres just outside of town. They, I think, at one point they had plans to build on the property, but they decided ultimately that they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to take care of the land anymore, and so they. They were going to sell their property and move into town and build a house on a city lot. So after dinner that night, my wife and I got home and we started talking about it and we decided that it was a really good opportunity. We thought it would be pretty cool to have some land, get out of the middle of town and have a little bit of room to move around. So ultimately we ended up making that family an offer and everything went through. Uh, we closed on the property in mid-June. And that's, you know, things got interesting immediately. So I grew up on five acres, and I can tell you it's a lot different growing up as a, as a little kid on property uh, than it is um, living on property as an adult. We have, there's there's a whole lot more responsibilities when you have this much land. Uh, for instance, a couple of weeks ago, we had a pretty pretty bad ice storm here in Oklahoma, and a bunch of trees broke. There's a bunch of limbs down. There was over 300,000 people without power. Thankfully, we were not one of them. We, we never lost our power. But we did have a lot of debris to clean up. Uh, that was one thing. But the very first night that we lived in this house, so we, when, we, when we were in the neighborhood, we lived in a house. We custom built it. It was about 2,300 square feet. When we moved to the property, there's a, um, I believe, manufactured home is the correct term. There's a manufactured home on the property, and it's 1,300 square feet. So we lost 1,000 square feet when we moved into this house. So we have we have boxes in a shed out back. <laughs> we have boxes in the third bedroom. The kids are sharing a bedroom right now. So the, the third bedroom has boxes stacked up along all the walls. There's boxes lining the walls throughout the house. There's stuff shoved in every empty corner that we have. Um, so we're a little bit cramped. We're, we're really ready to get this building process started. But the very, the very first night we were here, we got our bed set up in our bedroom. The kids were at the grandparents' house. And we laid down, and I would say probably within two minutes of us turning out all the lights and settling into bed, we started hearing it. We started hearing the scratching in the walls. And we started hearing something very large uh, moving around underneath the house. 
we knew that there were issues with critters. In fact, the uh, the light in the master bathroom, the I would say the the factory light doesn't work anymore because some critters chew the wires in the wall. So now there's just like a pendulum light that plugs into an outlet that's hanging over the sink, and and that's what we use for light in the master bathroom. Keep in mind, this was this is never intended to be a permanent. Uh, arrangement for us. We knew we know that we're going to build a house and move out, but there's some issues. Um, we can't put pots and pans in the bottom cabinet underneath the sink because um, it's a frequent hangout for all the mice, and um, they tend to poop in the dishes. So there's no pots and pans under the sink in the bottom counters. They're all in the upper sinks. Um, so we knew coming in that that there were some issues. That first night, uh, it was very evident. They were very loud. My wife started to kind of freak out a little bit. She wanted to get the rat poison out right away. I said, nah, we'll take care of it in the morning. They're not, they're not going to bother us while we're sleeping. And she pretty much insisted. So uh, we went out to the shed and grabbed a couple packages. I think we had three packages of rat poison. We threw one of them behind the skirting of the house underneath. And then in the master bathroom, the tub kind of sits in the corner, and it's got these Velcro panels that you can remove. And... So we took those panels off and threw some rat poison inside those panels. And it didn't take long uh, before the smell started to creep in. Keep in mind, this is the middle of Oklahoma in the middle of the summer. It's mid-90s, high humidity, and uh, boy, it was, it was bad. It was stanky. And we, we, it almost got to the point where we were going to have to find somewhere else to stay because I couldn't find this thing. I knew something was dead. I just couldn't find it. Um, and then one day I, I noticed that it was particularly strong in the master bathroom. So I went and pulled one of those panels off the tub and started to crawl in and I, I could see its tail. So I grabbed a hold of it, put it in a trash bag inside of a trash bag. And we, we threw it out with the trash. Uh, that was, that was our first experience with the rodent. We got a life trap set up very shortly after that. And l- let me tell you about this dead one that we found. It was huge. Okay. We have a miniature schnauzer that weighs about 13, 14 pounds. And I kid you not, with the exception of the length of the legs, this rat was every bit of the size of that miniature schnauzer. It was huge. And then we set up that life trap, and we caught another one. And I have my own way that I would prefer to dispose of rodents like that, but unfortunately, my, you know, we set it the night before. Uh, the kids were out there when we set it. They were asking what it was for, what we were doing, so we explained it to them. So they woke up before us, and they went out first thing in the morning to check that trap, and lo and behold, there was another rat, same size as the first one in this in this trap, and uh, it just so happened the kids didn't have school that day, so I couldn't handle it the way I wanted to handle it, so we, you know, we lived close to a lake. We drove to the other side of the lake about eight miles away, and we, we let the rat go in the woods. Uh, a couple days later, we caught another one, did the same thing, and... Um, as luck would have it, I went out of town on a fishing trip and my wife caught a possum in the trap while I was gone. So one of my buddies came and picked it up and released it, I think probably in the same area. At least that's what he tells me he did. And, and I'll stick to that story. But we, in that time frame, we got a couple barn cats. We went through the barn cat procedure and ever since we've let them free, I think we have like four cats now. Um, ever since we let them free, we haven't had a critter issue. I'm, I'm pretty allergic to most cats, and so I never wanted any cats. However, I can tell you these cats stay outside. They mainly sleep under the house, 
and at night after it gets dark you can you can hear them doing their job they're under there taking care of business and we haven't we haven't had a, cr- a critter issue since we've had them so that that's that's good we've had a couple minor issues other than that since we moved in the the air conditioning it worked um right before we moved in and then obviously as luck would have it after we moved in it uh kind of crapped the bed we bought the house as is just because it's not worth a whole lot we really bought the place for the land so of course immediately after we moved in i had to spend over 400 dollars to fix the air conditioning system so that we wouldn't melt inside of the house we got that up and running and then when it got cold we turned the heater on and it didn't work i discovered that the pilot light to the furnace was not lit and it was behind like the sealed glass screen that you could see through to see if whether or not it was lit uh, and I did. I don't know. I followed the instructions to light it, and it didn't work. So we had to have some people come out and fix that. We paid them a little bit of money. Thankfully, it wasn't as expensive as the air conditioner. But you know, there's persistent minor issues like that that we run into. It's nothing too bad. Again, it's not a permanent arrangement. We know that. So we'll embrace the suck while we have to, and we look forward to to building the house. Uh, so we brought with us our two kids. Believe it or not, yes, we took them with us. We have a six-year-old little girl and a eight-year-old little boy. Uh, I call them my delinquent children, but they're really fantastic. They're really good kids. They just, you know, you know, if you're a parent, they drive you to the brink every once in a while. And our kids are no different. But um, they're great. We brought them with us. Uh, lucky for them. And we also have two dogs. Well, we brought two dogs with us. We have a miniature schnauzer. She's two years old. Her name is Charlie, and we have uh, we have a 13-year-old half-American bulldog, half-boxer mix. His name is Maverick. Charlie is a female, so Maverick and Charlie, uh, if, you, if you know my favorite movie, Top Gun, then you understand the reference there. And then after we moved in, one of my buddies is a canine handler for the local police department, and he... Um, his dog was set to retire and he was set to get a new dog. He didn't want to have two police dogs at the house because that's a whole lot of dog. Um, so he, he asked if I would be willing to, to adopt the retired police dog. And of course I said, yes, he's an 11 year old Belgian Malinois named blue. He's, he's awesome. He's got a a bit of a kind of a degenerative genetic, yeah, find your words, genetic degenerative disease in his elbow uh it's not dysplasia but there's some like calcium buildup and stuff in his elbow and it's causing him to have a a little bit harder time getting around that's the main reason he retired so he came to live with us so we have the three dogs now we also have uh chickens we did have six chickens now we have five uh i'll get that in a minute so when we moved in, we ordered some chickens from a hatchery. I never thought I would own chickens before, but now we do, and it's actually pretty cool. Uh, so if you've never had chickens before, you can go to your local farm store like a tractor supply or Atwoods or whatever you have, or you can order them from the hatchery. We decided to order ours from the hatchery, and we got them about three weeks after we ordered them. Um, after they hatch, they have enough yolk in their in their stomach to last them a few days. So the hatchery will take them and ship them immediately to the local post office. We went to the post office and picked them up and put them right into a brooder. And they grow very quickly. I was kind of surprised by that. They got huge real fast. Um, but they outgrew the brooder. So we built the dog. There's a dog run in the backyard. It came with a house. So we built the chicken run inside of that dog run and put the chicken 
coop inside of that run. Well, when we adopted Blue, we put him inside of that dog run because it was big enough for him to have plenty of room with the chickens and he couldn't get to the chickens. So it was an okay setup, not ideal. Uh, we actually had plans on moving it, but we had other stuff going on. Um, and so we just kind of let it be. So one day while I was sleeping, my wife decided to let the chickens out to free range. And she put Blue outside of the dog run and shut the gate and then let the chickens out inside of the dog run so they could roam around and eat grass and that kind of stuff. Well, the gate wasn't latched, and Blue quickly discovered that. And he he pushed through the gate and got a hold of the rooster um, because, like I said, we ordered five. They sent six. Uh, the sixth one was a rooster, and... Uh, he was the first target of blue, and so I'm not I'm not hugely disappointed about it because the rooster was starting to mature. He was starting to get pretty aggressive. He bit my wife a couple times, and we never wanted a rooster. We can't do anything with it. We didn't really necessarily want fertilized eggs, so we didn't know what we were going to do with them. And blue very quickly and efficiently took care of that problem for us and killed the rooster. So that weekend. I had some buddies over, and we were going to move the chicken run out of the dog run. Yes, I know when when you say it like that, it sounds like a horrible idea. I thought I had it under control. Um, it didn't work out so well, so we decided to move the chicken run out. So we put all the chickens in the coop. We carried the coop out and set it down next to our trampoline that's out in the middle of the field. And then we had to take apart part of the fence to get the chicken run out because the chicken run is... Uh, 12 feet long, 8 feet wide, 8 feet tall. So we had to take down part of the fence to get them out. And we essentially just picked it up. The six of us picked it up, carried it to where we wanted it to go, set it down. Um, But since the fence had to be taken down, Blue was just kind of out doing his thing, running around, sniffing things. And it came time to move the, the chicken coop inside of the chicken run. So a couple of my buddies picked up the chicken coop, and none of us realized it, but... Um, the chicken coop, it's one of those plastic snap together chicken coops. And when they picked it up, the bottom of it bowed down really bad. And it was enough for one of the chickens to squirt out the back of it. And of course, Blue was the first one (laughs) to see this happen. And he takes off running at a full sprint. And before I really realized what was happening, my wife starts screaming and I was like, oh no. And so I look over and see the chicken running from Blue and he's coming right past me, so I reached out and I tried to grab him, but he's just too fast and too strong. I couldn't get a hold of him. He was wearing an electric collar that has a remote, so he was running towards the chicken. I was running the opposite way towards the trailer where the remote to the collar was. And just as soon as I grabbed a hold of that remote, Blue grabbed a hold of the chicken and I zapped him. And thankfully it worked because he dropped the chicken and started running back to me and <laughs> he had a bunch of feathers sticking out of his mouth. Uh, kind of looked like he had a beard. But thankfully the chicken's okay. She's missing every single one of her her tail feathers now. So uh, she's no longer a fluffy butt. Uh, she kind of looks like a guinea, but she's okay. And the chickens are separated from the dog now. They're laying eggs. Everybody's happy. And yeah, so there's that. We're learning. We're learning as we go. We'll get there. So moving on to to the house building process. So we had a, a house plan picked out um, before we ever moved into the manufactured home. And after we moved in, we kind of finalized everything. We drew over some plans that we found. And we, we gave those plans to one of our good friends who 
um, works in the design industry, and she was able to draw them up on CAD for us uh, to be official floor plans. Um, We had those printed out, and we sent them off to three different builders to bid on. And the first builder came back with his bid, and of course, before he even shows us the price, he's explaining, now this is if I were to build the house exactly how I want to build it, top of the line everything, you know, yada, yada, yada. Of course, the pool's included in the price because we have to have a pool. And boom, he reveals the price. $623,000. I almost passed out. I was like, wow, that is way more than we want to spend on this house. So then he showed us the bottom of the line budget, which was a lot closer to where we wanted to be, but it didn't include the pool. So when we put the pool in there and we started adding back in things that we felt like we really needed to have in this house, we were quickly back above uh, our target budget. So we took the plans back. We called time on the entire process. We called the other builders and we said, hey, uh, we're obviously way above budget here. We're going to redo everything. We knew we knew what how much work it was to to do up a bid uh so we we told them hey stop what you're doing we'll come back with you later and after we get everything redone so we went back to the drawing board we redesigned we redesigned the house to knock off about 600 square feet uh we made the, the upstairs portion of the house a lot smaller we brought in all four walls about a foot in every direction so that decreased our footprint of the house and reduced the square footage and there wasn't a single thing that we did that would just make take a huge chunk of the price off of the house. However, we're hoping that we did enough little things that were, were closer to where we want to be as far as our budget. <coughs> um, so we sent the floor plans back out a couple of weeks ago. And, and we made those minor adjustments. For instance, when we redesigned the upstairs... And downstairs, um, you know, there was an issue with our first floor plan to where we couldn't have just one heat and air unit. And so with the, with the redesign, we were able to reduce that down to one. So that's going to save us. We went from two to one heat and air units. That's going to save us anywhere from ten to $12,000. And we also originally were planning on installing a, a fiberglass pool because it's cheaper than gunite, but we felt more durable than a liner pool. So we adjusted that to make it a liner pool. We're a little bit concerned about some of the issues that people have had with liner pools, but to be honest with you, every type of pool has its issues. So we we felt that that was an adjustment that we could make to knock some more uh, money off the price of the house, about $10,000 off the price of the house. So those were the two biggest chunks of of cost that we took out of the, out of the uh, build price. So we're hoping with those two big things and all the other adjustments, we'll, we'll be back to where we need to be. However, we did submit our floor plans to to the builder, and as luck would have it, we had a really big ice storm here in Oklahoma, and there was over 300,000 people in the state without power. Thankfully, we weren't one of them. However, the builder and the framer both were without power all week last week, so they were not able to work on our bids. They're going to hopefully get those to us this week. Another really good thing is that the price of lumber has gone down. You know, I mentioned in the last episode that our lumber package came in at $70,000, uh, double what the price would be under normal circumstances. But due to the pandemic, everything's marked up. And so the the framer actually said that lumber prices are going to come down next month. So he's going to adjust the price for those cheaper costs. 
And hopefully we have those numbers this week and we can start moving forward in the process. So if if you check out the Woodard Homestead on Instagram, that's that's our floor plan. That's what we're looking forward to building. Two-story house, farmhouse style, three-car garage. Uh, it's going to have a swimming pool, have a sweet little pass-through window that goes from the garage to the backyard area so the kids can come sit at that window and eat a snack if they're outside playing, swimming, whatever. They don't have to come inside the house and get the floor all wet and that kind of stuff. So a bunch of cool little things like that that we're going to do. Um, of course, if the cost allows it, we might have to take some things away again. Depends on where the bids come in. But um, we're also going to build a, a little shop out back. We hope to make it big enough to fit uh, a travel trailer and a tractor and that kind of stuff, but it won't be anything too big. I won't use it for anything more than storage and maybe a couple minor projects here and there. Um, the, the area where the, the manufactured home sits now, uh, we have to get rid of, of the trailer house within 30 days of closing on the, the newly constructed house. So we're going to take the trailer house away, and the area where it sits right now is almost kind of a bowl. So we're going to finish that out and build a pond where it sits now and it'll be a a really nice little piece of property that's how we that's where we hope to go with it and of course we'll keep you updated along the way all right so obviously we'll move into current events now um we had some big news come out over the weekend on saturday the associated press and nbc news projected that joe biden will be the next president of the United States. Um, I don't think that at this point there's any legal challenge that that President Trump can bring to the table that'll overturn that. Uh, do I think that there's been voter fraud? Yeah, absolutely I do. But I also think that there's voter fraud in every election. This isn't anything new. I think it might be a little bit more obvious and a little bit more frequent in this election than in past elections, but do I think that it's going to be enough to overturn the results of the this election? No, I don't. I think that I think that Joe Biden is going to be the next president of the United States, barring something crazy happening. Like, you know, there was that county in Michigan where six thousand votes that went to Biden were actually meant for Trump. Unless something like that is happening on a an enormous scale. Uh, I don't see anything being overturned because right now it looks like that's secluded to Michigan. So even if Trump takes Michigan, I think Joe Biden still has enough of the Electoral College to win the presidency. And he'll be the president for as long as it takes Drunk Losey to enact the 25th Amendment and remove him from office. And Kamala Harris will be our first female president within the first two years. And that's my conspiracy theory just based on some of the stuff that she said immediately preceding this election, she brought up some stuff that, when you look at it, really doesn't look like it was meant for President Trump. It looks like it was possibly meant for Joe Biden. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, that's my own conspiracy theory, and we'll just have to see what happens from here. I think the most important thing to note, though, you know, Saturday they said, hey, Biden's got enough electoral votes the way things are looking to be the next president. Sunday morning, I woke up. And I drank my coffee, and I read some news. I went outside and cleaned up some of the down limbs from the ice storm. I, I watched some football that afternoon. I went to my parents for an early Thanksgiving dinner. 
you know, last night went to bed. I woke up this morning still alive, still breathing. Took my kids to school. Again, I had some coffee, did some dishes, and now I'm, I'm sitting down talking to you. And my point is the world did not spontaneously combust because Joe Biden was announced as the next president. I understand that he's not going to be inaugurated until January 20th, but even then, I don't think things will change a lot. I don't think he'll know where he's at. He'll probably think he's back in Scranton with his pappy, but um, I joke, I kid. Um, in all honesty, I, I don't think that him being elected president is going to create this huge change in our country. If you look at it, yes, the Democrats still control the House of Representatives. The Repu- the Republicans picked up a bunch of seats in the House. Uh, the way things look, granted there's going to be some runoff elections, but the, the way things look, the Republicans are still going to control the Senate. Uh, at least there's going to be a 50-50 split. And so I think that Biden's going to be a lame duck president. And, you know, I don't think that he's going to be able to enact a bunch of the progressive left side of the agenda that a lot of people are pushing for because he's not going to have the support in the legislative branch that he needs to do that. Yeah, I think he's going to do some stuff with with uh, executive orders. However, I mean, look back at what Trump did. A bunch of his stuff got shot down because there's just not a whole lot you can do with executive order and it be legal and it be binding. So I really don't see a whole lot happening in the next four years and then we get to do this all over again. I'm going to jump on my soapbox for a minute because I saw something on the interwebs that really pissed me off. I walked away from social media earlier this year because... Um, it, it just it frustrates me. It makes me so mad to see the vitriol that people have for anybody else who doesn't share their opinion. It's pretty disgusting. I mean, this country is a democracy. It was founded on the principle of people having opposing ideas and then coming together to create policy and legislation that that is good for everyone. But there is more and more people out there, especially who are battling from behind a computer screen with a keyboard, who... If you don't share their ideas, that makes you an inherently bad person. And that's just not true. I mean, we will never get anything done in this country if you've got one side saying it's either my way or the highway and the other side saying, well, screw you. I don't agree with that at all. I mean, we ha- there has to be some sort of compromise. But when you get on social media, it's like 10 times worse. You can't have discussions with people. Um, if you disagree with them, then they automatically throw hate your way. They say you're a racist. They say that you're a sexist. They say that you're xenophobic. Um, and, and that's just not right. You can have an opposing opinion and still be friends, right? You can have an opposing opinion and still meet in the middle for some common good. But it really started, I think, when COVID-19 hit this country and there was such a, a differing opinion from both sides on how this thing should be handled and that's kind of when it fell apart for me I decided to walk away because I would get sucked in and I would come real close to saying some stuff that I probably shouldn't say and so I I felt it was best for me just to to walk away from social media but now that I started this podcast you know one of the best ways to market this thing is to get out there on social media and promote it and spread the word and that kind of stuff so I, I jumped back into the world of social media, and it took me about five one-hundredths of a second to remember exactly why I left. Um, <clears throat> it, almost as soon as I created my uh, Twitter account, I was 
perusing the feed, and I found this post that was shared by someone, and the original post was from something called the Gravel Institute, and it said this, and I quote, What if, hear us out, the Constitution sucks and is wrong about everything and shouldn't be the basis for running a society in the 21st century? Take that in for a minute. I'll be honest with you, the post itself really pissed me off to the core, but then I started reading some of the comments, and my head just about exploded. How many people passionately felt the same way about this? First and foremost, if you don't like the Constitution, then feel free to move almost literally anywhere else in this world where you think your life will be so much better. Go check out Venezuela. They're a socialist country. See how that's working out for them. Maybe you'd like to go live in communist China. Go see how that works out for you. Secondly, I can think of about 650,000 servicemen and women who have been killed in combat since the birth of this country that would like to rise from the grave and kick you in your nuts. That's assuming you have any. The Constitution of the United States is a timeless document. It protects us from a tyrannical government. And if you think that that's an outdated idea, tyranny, then take a look around you. Look at what the far-left ideology is. Look at what the extreme-right ideology is. People are pushing this ideology today. It's not outside of the realm of possibilities, and the Constitution is what protects us from that. It's timeless because it protects basic human rights, freedom of speech. Look at Kathy Griffin posting uh, pictures of a decapitated Donald Trump head on Twitter. If she were to do that in China, if she were to do that in North Korea, you know, if she were to do that in Venezuela, she would be executed within a week. But she has freedom of speech here that allows her to do that. And I would like to note that Twitter did not censor that. We have the freedom of press. We have the freedom to assemble. We have the freedom to petition the government. Our right to keep and bear arms. Our right against, our protection against unreasonable searches and seizures. Uh, prohibition of denial to vote based on, on race or color. Women's voting rights. Presidential term limits. Voting age restrictions. These are all basic human rights that the Constitution guarantees us that many, many places around the world don't have. A bunch of people have fought and died as recently as this year because they believe in that document enough that you say is so outdated to go over to some hellhole of a country to protect the rights that are guaranteed by that document because their country asked them to do so. Because their country felt that it was in our best interest to take care of a problem somewhere else that these men and women stood up and said, pick me. I once swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America, and I always will. So I say again, if you don't like it, don't let the door hit you. Whew, okay, I'm off my soapbox. Like I said, I think we need to end this with a little bit of humor. We could all use a smile today. So let's talk about the Florida man. <laughs> this is great. Okay, so a professional surfer in Florida was attacked by a shark Saturday and suffered deep wounds to his elbow, but despite calls from his friends to get checked out at a hospital, he decided to go to a bar instead a report says. Frank O'Rourke, he was an Irishman, so that, that actually kind of explains a lot. Frank O'Rourke suffered a shark attack off the beach in Jacksonville, Florida at about 3.30 p.m., WLWT.com reported. He was treated relatively quickly by lifeguards. He suffered some deep cuts on his arm, and some thought it might do him good to go to the hospital. You think? But R.J. Berger, a friend, said he opted for a nearby bar instead. He was like, hey, 
I got bit by a shark and people were like, I'll buy you a drink. If he would have gone to the hospital first, those people might not have held their word. So he decided instead to go to the bar. The report didn't indicate what type of shark was involved in the attack. Berger said a few of his pals have had similar confrontations and said if you surf there long enough, an attack is almost inevitable. That's a Florida man for you. All right, that's all the time I have today. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe. Please spread the word. Uh, This mainly is just fun for me, so uh, I appreciate any publicity you might be willing to give me. Uh, Don't forget to check me out on Instagram, In The Sticks Podcast, and on Twitter at In The Sticks 2. I hope you guys have a fantastic week, and I'll see you next time on In The Sticks. God bless you, and God bless America.